Adversity can bring out the best in us and it can bring out the worst in us. It has the potential to divide us or it can unite us. Just last week, I went to the grocery store for the first time since the quarantine and I couldn't help but notice how this pandemic was impacting the way that people interacted with one another outside of the home. You could feel the anxiety in the air as workers hurriedly stocked the shelves of supplies and were trying to get out of the way of the shoppers who were grabbing those items off the shelves. No one was lingering anywhere. I was amazed by how vastly different grocery shopping was now compared to just a month ago. No eye contact was being made. No smiles were being exchanged. No one felt safe and everyone was suspicious of everyone. And it made me wonder, has fear of this virus impacted the way that we see people around us? Within these new norms of social distancing, how do we as God's people relate to one another? Are we seeing our neighbors as potential threats to our health and well-being? Or are we seeing them as people whom Jesus died for? On today's text, the Church of Philippi were going through some pretty tough times. People were dying for their faith as Christians were persecuted. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church when he was in prison. Even in quarantine, Paul managed to encourage the church to remain steadfast in the faith and to live a life that was worthy of the gospel. And with all that persecution that was going on, internal conflict threatened to divide the church. You know, it's amazing. You would think that in those tough times that Christians would come together as one, but instead they were bickering with one another. Adversity exposed people's sins. And that's very similar to what God is doing in our, in our time right now, isn't it? Just last week, Pastor Nathan talked about how this virus was revealing the sins that are deep within us. And maybe in the last several days, the Holy Spirit has been gently and lovingly bringing some of those things to the surface so that you can surrender to Him. God is removing everything in us right now that's hindering His love from fully permeating our lives so that we can be effective witnesses for Christ. So this morning, I want us to imagine that this letter from Paul to the Philippians is a personal letter for us reminding us how to relate to one another in the midst of adversity. Read with me beginning in verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what Paul is saying here essentially is, if you've ever been touched by God, if you've ever received his love, his comfort, his mercy, then be like-minded and have the same love for one another that Jesus has for you, which makes us one in Christ. But that's kind of hard when we're all very different people who have different personalities, different thoughts, different opinions, isn't it? I mean, what do you do if you constantly run into somebody who has different opinions than you do? 
What if that happens all the time? That'd be so frustrating. God forbid, what if you lived with someone like that? And yet Paul tells us that humility is the way that we become one in Christ. Selfish ambition leads to separation, whereas humility leads to unity. And what is humility? Humility is when we sacrifice for the sake of others. It's when we let go of our own thoughts, our agendas, our offenses, our need to be right all the time, to align with God's heart and thoughts for others. So what this tells us then is that humility begins in the mind. It begins with the way that we perceive one another. So we have to ask ourselves, what type of thoughts are dictating my heart and my actions at this time? Does it build people up or does it tear them down? Is it for my own benefit or also for the benefit of others? And what I found really challenging about this passage was Paul's instruction in verse 3 to count others more significant than ourselves. In a different translation, it says, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now that's very different to what the world tells us, or better yet, what our flesh tells us. Our human tendency is to first take care of our own needs, and then whatever we have left, then we give to others. But Paul presents this very radical idea that was countercultural to the Philippians back in their time and is also countercultural to us in our time. He's not saying value others as much as you value yourself, but he's saying value others above yourselves. In other words, make them more important than you. That's humility. Now, this is very difficult to practice in real life especially because humans are so self-oriented. We tend to put our own needs and our own wants and our own agendas first before anyone else's. And you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, this is really hard. I mean, how am I supposed to do that when I'm feeling all these pressures in my own life right now? How can I possibly count others more significant than me? Well, Paul shows us the way of what this type of sacrificial humility looks like by pointing to Jesus who modeled it for us. Read with me beginning in verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus had a sweet deal in heaven. There was no pain, no suffering. Angels were worshiping him 24-7. He was in equal standing with God the Father and enjoyed this rich, continuous fellowship with him and the Holy Spirit. And scripture tells us that he voluntarily left all that just to be with us. And not only to be with us, but to serve us. Verse 7 says that he took the form of a servant. 
And in Greek, that translates as bondservant or slave. The king of kings didn't come to earth to be served, but he came to serve mankind. Jesus didn't care about power, procedure, status, but rather he emptied himself and let go of all his divine privileges so that he can come to earth and function within the limitations of humanity. Jesus experienced hunger and thirst, pain, sorrow, suffering, just like us. Have any of you felt alone and afraid lately? Well, Jesus understood what it was like to be alone and afraid. The Bible says that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed so fervently with such tremendous anguish that his sweat became like drops of blood. Jesus was terrified. He was scared. And he had every reason to be because Roman crucifixion at the time was the most violent and dehumanizing form of execution only reserved for the worst criminals. It was a slow and painful death where the victim was nailed to a cross and as he hung there, the weight of his body would crush him and he would suffocate to death. Jesus, knowing that this would be the cup he'd have to receive, pleaded with the Father and said, Oh Father, please remove this cup from me. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, why would Jesus leave heaven where it was safe, where he was free of pain and suffering, and come down here to earth to suffer and die this excruciating death for a bunch of people that didn't even know him. It was his great love for us that drove him there. You see, when Jesus was afraid and utterly alone in his final moments, he thought about you and me. And it was his love for us that was so much greater than any love that he had for himself that made him willingly pour out his life for us all. Jesus modeled what true humility looked like by dying on a cross. You know, recently a friend of mine who's a doctor in a hospital in New York City shared these words with me. She said, yesterday, I let the tears fall under my face shield as I scoped the scene around me in just three of my ICU rooms, each room with four critically ill human beings on ventilators, suspended somewhere between life and death, unseeing, unhearing, unfeeling, unmoving, and isolated from loved ones. These are our sons and daughters, our wives and husbands, our sisters and brothers, our mothers and fathers, our grandparents, our close relatives, our friends, neighbors, and fellow workers. But even for just one of these fellow humans, all of our collective sacrifices are worth it. 
Friends, that is a picture of Christ's humility. And for all the first responders and healthcare workers and essential workers out there, we just want to thank you for your sacrifice. You know, not even an hour goes by here where I live in Stanford where I don't hear a police siren or an ambulance siren go off these days. And every time I hear that sound, I am praying for you guys. You are demonstrating what Christ's humility looks like by sacrificing for the sake of others. And we want you to know that we are praying for you, that God is with you, and we are praying for Him to protect you and your families. Thank you for your service. Friends, today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, the final days of Jesus' life. And the Bible says that as our humble serving king entered into the city of Jerusalem, that people laid out their outer garments and palm branches to worship him. And I want us to just imagine for a moment that we're part of that crowd, seeing Jesus come in. And as he's passing by, say these words with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it with me together, okay? Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it one more time. Jesus Christ is Lord. For most of us, that declaration is something that we believe with all our hearts and our minds. And we need to be reminded that despite what's happening right now, Jesus Christ is still Lord. But for some of us, that might have been the first time where you made that declaration. And if that's you, I want to invite you to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. When you make that confession with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, you're making Jesus Lord over every area in your life. Through His death and resurrection, Jesus has dominion over everything that we're going to face in this life, no matter how big or small. That means that Jesus Christ is Lord even over the coronavirus. It means that He's in control, even when things feel like they're out of control. And when we allow that to sink in and allow His love for us to permeate our hearts and our minds, we are then free to love others the way that He loved us. What would it look like if we saw people the way that God saw them? as those that Jesus died for. As we enter into Holy Week, I want to encourage you to think about some ways that we can practice humility right where we are. First, let's examine our hearts and ask God to highlight anything that's keeping us from doing that. Are there any fears or concerns that we need to release before God? Are there any conflicts that we need to address among ourselves? Afterwards, let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us practical ways that we can walk in Christ's humility. Who are the people that the Lord is highlighting in your heart today to serve sacrificially? And what would that look like? You know, these days, the pastors are hearing about all the different ways that you guys are stepping out to help those in need. 
And we just want to commend you for walking in Christ's humility by looking out for others, even at your own expense. Keep it up, church. Every time we do that, we are proclaiming who Christ is to the world. So that even in our darkest hour, when we feel afraid and alone, God is with us. And He manifests His presence through a community of laid-down lovers like you and me, the church, to be His hands and feet for a scared and hurting world. This global crisis that we are currently in right now is a reminder that we are not alone, but we are in this together. And when we have the same mind and love as Jesus did, and we lay down ourselves for one another, we become the church united. Thanks be to God.